0: Hello everybody and welcome back to In Star Trek We Trust, a Star Trek podcast. This week we're discussing episode 4 of the new season of Star Trek Discovery, Forget Me Not. I am Kevin, one of your hosts. And I am Ethan, the other host. Oh, what a wonderful episode this week. I've just got to open with that before we talk about anything else what a what a what a such a good episode i'm very happy with this show excellent i i concur that it was a good episode yeah i was very excited to discuss this episode this week and i was very much hoping that you were going to enjoy it because i know that you seemed a little iffy on the season so far so
1: yeah no this one's good and i will talk about my reasons for that conclusion as we proceed. So, how's
0: life in Kevin World? Um, cool. I've what's today Monday? Well, as of this recording, it's Monday, November 9th, So we're a little, we're a little behind on the uh, recording of this, but yeah, cool. Um, you know, waiting for my new iPhone twelve Pro to arrive, and Thursday of this week. We will see the release of the Miles Morales Spider-Man game on the PS4 and PS5. I do not have a PS5, uh, so I'm going to have to, you know, suffer through those first-world problems and just play it on the PS4, I guess. <laughs> yeah. So oh, it's tough. life's hard. But uh, what <laughs> I'm excited about is because I know that you always say that. When a new console comes out, you always get the previous generation. So I'm I'm very mm-hmm. excited for you to <laughs> get your grubby little hands on a PS4 at some point because you're going to have such a wealth of game of a gaming library in front of you. Yes. Yeah.
1: And I I don't always do it promptly though. That I always do me.
0: it promptly. However, I know Ooh. you know comic book reader, you like Spider-Man. The I game do. is just so good. The Spider-Man game. Star Wars game as so well. Good. I've
1: heard mixed. Reviews,
0: but I still um, want to try. Jedi Fallen Order, you're referring to? Yes, yes. Yeah.
1: Yeah. In the
0: the, the uh, ship battle game. Oh yeah, I wasn't impressed. Yeah. Yeah. I know we discussed it a few weeks back. I wasn't impressed. So. Okay.
1: good. Okay. So you already stopped playing it?
0: I did. Yeah. But it's gonna be so yeah. It's gonna be a month of things. So, yeah, I'm receiving my new iPhone this week. Spider Man's coming out. Hyrule Warriors is coming out. Week after that. Did play that demo
1: and liked it quite a bit.
0: Yeah, that'll be out. <laughs> that's actually out next week, end of next week. And then Cyberpunk is out next month. So mm. I'm gonna treat myself well this holiday season, I'm gonna say. Selfishly well this holiday season.
1: Nice, nice, nice.
0: But yeah, that's me. Tell me things.
1: Alright. Um, <clears throat> let's see. Yeah, things are fine. I have a fun, sort of a fun chess story. I, I was playing in Harvard Square with some friends, and um, while I was waiting for them to arrive, uh, the the chess. So, okay, Frameless doesn't know if anyone's ever been to Harvard Square. Frameless old, some combination of those things. There used to be this place with a whole bunch of tables, chess tables, and maybe, I don't know, 15 or something. And there would always be people at it, all the time, playing chess, and you could play them for money and whatnot. Um, that plaza was eliminated, and now there's about three or four chess tables there. And I've never seen anyone playing chess before.
0: Eliminated it, because of the pandemic?
1: No, eliminated because they um, – it was – you know the Oban Pan that was in Harvard Square?
0: Right by the oh, train station? Yeah, I think so.
1: Yeah, it was there. And then they hmm. tore that down, and they made the Harvard buildings –
0: uh, so there was
1: someone playing. I was waiting for my friend to arrive, and he he said, "All right, let's let's play." Right, and yep. I knew he was a hustler of chess, so I knew what I was getting myself into. You know, but I thought, oh, "What the hell? I'll just bet something small, and you know, I'll just see what I yeah. can do against a hustler." Not expecting to win, and I did win. But um, you know, it, it, I don't like dealing with hustlers, <laughs> obviously. But I mean, at first he was like, "All right, it's ten dollars. It's ten dollars." Yeah, like not, nah, dude. I'm not paying ten dollars. And then finally, I talked him down to like playing for a coffee. And then oh. after the game was over, he's like, "All right, so it's ten dollars." <laughs> oh. So you know, just like stuff like that. And then the rules, he's like, "No, no, when you play for money, the rules are different." And I was just like, "Hmm." So it was the whole
0: thing. I almost, uh, I almost went to Hobbit Square on Saturday to participate in the festivities because. Oh, yeah. Uh, I know we don't get uh, political on this show, but we live in i would say arguably the bluest state in the country and when they announced that Joe Biden won the presidency, my neighborhood just erupted in celebration so and I had heard that and Harvard Square is not that not that far away, and I heard there was a lot of stuff going on down there people just celebrating so i almost I almost went down there to take a look but uh, I mostly just took a, took a walk on Saturday to uh, see see what everybody was up to at a safe distance, of course, because I know that we're still in the pandemic. And it was it was it was nice. It was everyone was happy, and I think we. It was good that. I think the added bonus was that we had very nice weather on Saturday. So I think an overall uh, good weekend, mm-hmm. and, and that is all I will say on politics mm-hmm. and the election. Well, that was before so, they back.
1: knew. That was before they knew, though, that they cheated and that. They're oh, going to overturn the election soon, Yep. so, you know. Yeah, Yeah. Um, yeah I didn't – on Saturday, I was out and about, and I saw a little bit of it, but um, I didn't go – I was thought about going, but I figured it's a pandemic. I'd just rather not. Um, but here's an interesting thing. When I was in Harvard Square on Sunday, suddenly there were people beeping and cheering, and I thought, okay, this is weird. That was yesterday. Yeah. And then I noticed they had this flag I didn't recognize, and it was an Azerbaijan flag because – Azerbaijan had taken this town from this area that Azerbaijan has claimed from Armenia for years, and so they were celebrating that, which was interesting. I didn't know we had such an Azerbaijani population around here.
0: Yeah, we don't... Uh, I mean, you know, a disclaimer, of course, we don't take very many political positions on the show. I mean, we have political positions, but we don't... It's not a, a topic of conversation, obviously. So... Um, yeah. Don't want to sort of, not to initiate a pun, but don't want to alienate anybody. So I think we would have done that anyway, because, That's all right, true. by now. But we do, I mean, yeah.
1: The way we interpret the show is obviously influenced by our politics. Right.
0: right. But speaking of the show, so... This was, as I said, the fourth episode of the season. And... I gotta say... I so I loved it. I absolutely loved it, and it. I think I my hope is is that the show continues on this trend. Getting I know better, that
1: better.
0: I know that I said that last season with New Eden. All so right. obviously, treading softly here, but I I think quite frankly, my prediction is that. This is going to be one of those episodes that, you know, every Trek series has the kind of big, sweeping, emotional episode. And I think that this is going to be the one that's sort of spoken in the breath, in the same breath as, like, say, A City on the Edge of Forever or The Inner Light or The Visitor or Enterprise's Dear Doctor. Like, I think it's... This is going to be one of those episodes that, when they do, like best episodes from each series in the future kind of thing. I think this might be one of them, in my opinion.
1: I, I, I can get behind that. Yeah. yeah. It was surprisingly, um, it was a, mm, I was
0: surprised that
1: something yeah. emotional and character based on discovery worked so well.
0: Yeah, like, here's my thing, and this is where I don't want to put on my devil's advocate hat, but I'm going to. New Eden was also an episode, it wasn't like a sweeping emotional episode, but it had that Star Trek vibe to it, right? And we were so happy about it. And I feel like we haven't, well, aside from that, there was that also that server episode in season two, the sounds of thunder, which, which I thought was a really had a really good Star Trek feel to it as well. But after that, there wasn't really anything at least on Discovery until this one. So they seem pretty sort of few and far between, right? And look, the other shows don't do it in every episode either. Every you know every single episode doesn't don't do episodes like this. But and I'm asking myself. Is this something they're actively doing, or are they sort of stumbling on this by accident? Do you know what I mean? Uh, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, it is. Right. Or my, my thought, I didn't look this up, I should have, uh, but who was the writer? Was it New Writers?
0: So this episode was written by Alan McElroy, Chris Silvestri, and Anthony Marinville, directed by Hannibal. Oh. Hannah Culpepper, who I, I'm sorry, I can't say her first name properly, but she also directed on Star Trek Picard as well. So, mm. yeah.
1: That could be informative.
0: Yeah. Um, so yeah, Alan McElroy, he wrote the teleplay for an obol for Charon from last season. Chris Silvestri wrote... The episodes, the re- wrote the episode The Red Angel and the Short Treks episode mm-hmm. from and Dot, and Anthony Marinville wrote, co-wrote The Red Angel as well. So, yeah, you're you're wondering like, is this you know the way like of the shows the way you kind of like, you know, single out a specific writer like, oh, this is a Brandon Braga episode, so I know what it's going to be you know what to expect.
1: Yeah, just yeah. it was so effective. But having three people write it makes sense too, because I did think <clears throat> when I sort of compared the emotional moments between Adira and her partner and um, Great, yeah. with Detmer's breakdown, there was a severe uh, differential in quality. I felt.
0: Yeah, I, I, what I think was so refreshing about it was that um, it was the fir- it was one of the. F- few times that Discovery sort of allowed its characters and emotions to be the stars of the show. Everybody, you know, I have it in my notes. Uh, I'm going to get into more detail, but like, you know, sort of in my final thoughts on the episode, I know I'm, you know, jumping ahead extremely here, but, you know, it's a return to Trek at its most emotional. And pretty much everybody in this episode had something to do whether big or small but they made a they made a substantial contribution to the episode and you know we also at the same time as much as we love it it's it's strange because we don't know discovery to be to do this very often so as excited we get when they do this it's also a little odd because we're like why can't we have more of this
1: yeah, and it, it just it's such stark contrast to the first episode of this season, Absolutely. where, um, you know, because this was an episode that, um, there was they didn't waste anything, no, you know, whereas the first episodes we felt they just kept wasting time, and we're gonna fight here, then we're gonna fight the same people over here, then we're gonna fight them over here, and then oh my god, we're gonna fight them for a fourth time in a different place.
0: It 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 makes me. It begs the question for me that, you know, when you do an episode like New Eden, when you do an episode like Sounds of Thunder, when you do an episode like Forget Me Not, and as somebody, as people who want to see Discovery succeed and sort of continue to kind of earn those Star Trek merit badges, like, these episodes prove that they can do it. It's just odd that they don't seem to do it as often. So, like, they're definitely capable of it, and we and so we're sitting there like scratching our heads, going like, how come we can't? Why isn't there more of this? And you know, I'm, and I'm not saying they're actively avoiding it, but and you know, they may be. I'm not saying they're not striving for it. This episode was just very successful at doing it, as opposed to some of the other ones that have.
1: Yeah, and even that they talk about it as the action adventure mm. show. I wonder if there is pressure from producers, one of the several. That, um, of like, now nah, we need a little more, get some shoot em up in here. now I don't want, you know. Yeah. And this is, this is not just, like, a lot of the haters will say, oh, this is pew-pew. This is based on things we've had, heard producers say, that this is right. the action show. Exactly. And there's been a lot of... Akiva Goldsman
0: said it on the ready room. When
1: talking yeah, about it. there's been a lot of seemingly, as we've talked about, um, yeah. action that doesn't add to the story at all. So, yeah. I wonder if this is sort of a, um... The result of some pushing of like let's let us do an emotional episode.
0: It's making me, and we'll hop into the details here in a second. I, I think when you think back over the course of the last two seasons, it seems to me that a lot of the stuff that was going on didn't really affect the crew outside of like say Michael, or or um, Saru, or maybe even Stamets and Culber, right? it didn't seem like they were doing things that really affected everybody. Right. And they only seemed to focus on the people who the episodes were about. When you look at this episode and that they're in this circumstance that affects everybody, I mean, you're able to bring more people in in that way because you're all in the same situation. How is it affecting this person? How is it affecting that person?
1: Right. And it's not that that could not have been done. I mean, everyone right. on the ship followed a captain that was an imposter from a
0: mirror universe. That could have affected people, but they just chose not to explore that. Right, and you know, and I'm not making, I'm not making excuses, but when you do a story like The Red Angel that deals with Michael Burnham, Michael Burnham's mother, and then also you bring on Spock there, her half brother. Like, I mean, I would say it's difficult in the sense of like, well, how do we fit Kayla Detmer? in this to make a substantial contribution because we're telling the story that's strictly more about like Michael all season. How do we fit them in? Right. Mm. So, and that's where the show felt like the Michael Burnham show.
1: Yeah. But it was interesting too, because as we talked about after we said, what was the storyline between her and Spock anyway? And we couldn't really remember.
0: It it seems like this, the show, the season is beginning to very slowly, uh, evolve into a little bit of an ensemble show. It seems to be wanting to embrace that a little bit, I'll, albeit carefully. Yeah. Yeah. Great. So, But getting into the episode, so obviously I've, you've got your notes, I've got my notes. So I'm just going to start off by saying that in the beginning of this episode, it's nice to actually see a log entry. By Doctor Culver and like, kind of have him introduce the show, and see things from his point of view because we don't—that's never happened before. We don't really get that opportunity to spend some time with him outside of like somebody just needing medical attention, and
1: right or but it's like here's the Culver Stamets episode or,
0: yeah. or scene, yeah. Yeah, so I just have him actually being a doctor. And I like him. So I also found something very interesting. Although it seems like it's slightly moot now, just considering where they are. But, you know, Culber, in addition to just being the medical doctor, is being very counselor-y. And I thought to myself, is he setting the building blocks for starships to have counselors like we see on Next Generation? Granted, it doesn't matter because they're (laughs) so far into the future. Right. But you have to wonder, like, is that where the idea for counselors came from? Did doctors on starships actually play that role until it was sort of figured, you know what, maybe we need to have counselors on board.
1: Yeah, yeah. that's
0: interesting. Yeah. Because we definitely distinguish counselors today from doctors. Right. Right. Yeah, but I, li- I, like, I like the episode beginning and even dealing with sort of taking the emotional temperature of the crew. Um, I was a little confused at first, only because it, I mean, I don't know how you felt about it. It seemed like... Last week ended when they were on Earth on a on a, I mean, slightly positive note. I mean, they seemed happy at the end, and mm-hmm. yet this episode opens up with the with them being a little kind of taken aback by what they found. I mean, I guess more it's having more to do with the Federation, but it wasn't as if like, you know, they got to Earth and it was to, as you pointed out like in the first two episodes. It wasn't like they encountered a Blade Runner or Mad Max situation, right?
1: Right. Yeah. Yeah. I, I took it as. Almost um, the be- first two uh, – those first two episodes with Discovery in it, really, yeah, were kind yeah. of um, – like they're almost running on the adrenaline of it, and now things settle down a little bit, and they're probably realizing now, oh, wait. Yeah. We are stranded in the future. Right. Everyone we know is dead. Maybe They haven't really had time to stop and think about those sorts of things.
0: But I like seeing them deal with the sort of the, the circumstances and the emotional impact of the crew, and I was thinking – you know what is it what is it about it that's that's getting them down and it's just you know it's because they're lost like they don't they don't know what's going to happen next they have nothing to look forward to and it seems like it's kind of like this minor spin on the same concept that voyager has right even though voyager they were they were, i mean it's still at its core about two ships separated from everything they know what Voyager does is they have that hope that they will see their family again, families again, because they're heading home. What that show, I thought, didn't do enough of that I think Discovery is dealing with is sort of the emotional impact of the crew's circumstances, right? Like, Voyager goes into it a little bit, but not too much. And I think it probably has to do with the fact that they might be hopeful that they will see their families again. But... They don't play with the idea enough because in Voyager they establish that it will take them 75 years to get home at maximum speed. But there's always the hope that they will get there. But they don't play with the idea enough of like, well, maybe we won't see them again just because it takes so. It's going to take us so long to get there, right? That's odd. I don't think they play. They play with that. Will they? Won't they get back? Idea too much. And it doesn't it doesn't feel like to me on that show, and I'm not I don't mean to do like a Voyager review here, but like the show didn't carry a lot of emotional weight with them being lost as much as I thought they should. Discovery seems to be doing it at least in this episode, very well, which I really like.
1: Yeah, I agree. I think it's a it would be strange not to deal with it. Maybe maybe yeah. that's only because I've seen it now, but. Like you said, also, the fact that this is a way to have all the crew with something real to do instead of just yeah. be sort of helping the other storylines along. Right. And that's that's a big deal. And I really like also that um, – well, I guess if we're jumping around, I'll jump around too because it's almost as if the conflict that the crew is having is like what you mentioned with the show where the show – would treat it as as if these things are happening separately, mm-hmm. right? They don't never show the impact on everyone else. So it's kind of like Stamets was treating his situation like, I'm the one who got stabbed. Why should you be upset? Not realizing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, it's pretty traumatic to see someone you work with and care about bleeding to death, impaled. Right. right. And he was too, I don't know, self-centered or something to even accept that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It was... Yeah, I, I, I felt the weight of it in this episode, and yeah, I was, I was really feeling it in this episode. Um, but the main focus of the story is Adira, the character who was introduced last week. Adira, who is a human with a Trill symbiont inside of her, and who possesses the memories of that Starfleet Admiral, Tal, Tal. And they need the information to find Starfleet headquarters, so that means that they have to travel to the Trill homeworld. Now, this was really the big emotional pull of the episode, was seeing Adira, Adira's story and having it addressed. And I, and I was thinking about this before. like I like that they, this was not something that they dragged out across the season. It was just something that was. I mean, it was introduced at the end of last of the last episode, and we got we got a satisfying result in this episode. It wasn't like they were going to drag out this mystery of what's with what's with Adira like over a couple of episodes. I like that they just deal with it and use it as a way to go get to the next episode.
1: Yeah, I, agree. I totally agree. If yeah, if this were hinted at and then some, I mean, yeah, I, I would have would not have been been good yeah that's why i think this felt so great because this did feel like a star trek episode and we have our situation and then we go to the resolution of it or the you know solving it of course you run into some snags along the way but you overcome them and then we have the resolution so oh that's what i think worked really really well and i think also just a new character i sort of it's not the character's fault, but, you know, I mean, what is Tilly's deal anymore? Tilly... Right. It just exists to be Tilly, but she doesn't really have much of a identifiable arc
0: or anything that we saw I mean, before. here's the thing. What does it say? Because this is the first Star Trek episode I watched in a long time where as they get into the meat of Adira's story and we see the... And I want to get your thoughts sort of on Adira's story as a whole, but I I did shed a few tears because it was just very... It was just done very, very well and I was very much... I was into it. Like, I just... I wanted to see more. It was a beautiful... It was, you know, beautifully done. And then you think... And then you go back to a character like Arium who is a background player for a number of episodes and then we finally get some focus on her and then she dies and I feel nothing but then but Adira for some you know Adira I who I've only seen for a few minutes in a previous episode and now I'm just like into this like you know f- practically ugly crying watching this watching the story play out of somebody who was just introduced you know what do you say about something like that <laughs>
1: Well, here's what, I, I have a, I have an answer for that in my notes. I didn't think of it in terms of Arium, but it, it fits very well. Hmm. So um, here's the thing. With Arium, I, uh, so I talk a lot about um, show me, don't tell me. Yeah. So I sort of feel like with Arium, we were told. Like, Arium had a life, and she was married, and it was nice, and we keep cutting to this memory of them on the beach because people on the beach are happy, right? Yeah. And it was kind of that vibe. Whereas here, like... Instead of telling us, they showed us scenes of them, and we got to um, we got to know them briefly it's and see yeah. what they're what they're um, what they were like together. And yeah. I think it was so well done. Yeah. Oh, where did I put that? All? So yeah, the re- the relationship and connection was so well done. Yep. Uh, it was so simple and so, but so real, right? Um, and they were t- excellent performances, mm-hmm. and just the way it was written. And also, I being a, I teach teenagers, and I was a teenager once, and you know, they had the vibe, very much of like this is, feels like really like teenagers that are, yeah, um, you know, in love, and it's kind of sweet and nice. Yep. And, you know, they're... So, it felt very real and very grounded. Which, I felt, Arium, we didn't get that at all.
0: Yeah, because Arium was basically, in that episode, set up to die. And that was unfortunate. And we only got a glimpse of Arium's past. and But we also learned of it in the same episode. We didn't really... I think they sort of my recollection was, I think, no, they don't comment on it in the episode. But like, you had producers saying, like, "Well, Arium's an augmented human." Okay, but you don't have any dialogue in the show that tells me that. Right. So like I don't know anything about who Arium is. So then, when you set this up in the episode to give us what seems to be uh, a compelling backstory, you know, show me some more. She she dies, and I didn't even know at that time that that was when they showed them walking on the beach, I thought I was watching a commercial for something. I didn't even know that was in the episode. (laughs) Yeah,
1: that's true, for some kind of medication.
0: Yeah. 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 I'm like, am I watching a Zoloft commercial? Like, what is this? So, yeah, the Adira storyline in this episode was just done so well. And we, you know, like they go on Deep Space Nine, we get to see the Trill homeworld again, and they actually go into the pools, which we see Jadzia Dax do in the third season episode of Equilibrium. So, obviously, they're staying very true to established canon. What I want to ask you is, you know, we talk, we've we talked a lot this season so far about Michael Burnham and sort of her role on the show and how we feel like the the writing isn't doing her full justice. What are your thoughts on sort of Michael's role in this episode as far as sort of being there to help Adira out. I mean, do you feel like she was making kind of an active... Well, she, she was like actively participating in the episode, or do you just think that she was there because Adira needed somebody? Like, do you feel like she had something substantial to do in this episode for once?
1: It was interesting. The first time I watched it, I thought she did. I was like, oh, this is nice. Give Michael a secondary role. Yeah. Instead of every scene she's in, has to be the focus. Right. Um, but then on my second watch, I realized that I forgot about how she went into the pond of mm. brain, whatever it was. Right. And that seemed pointless for her to right. be there. Like, I liked her as the escort. Right. And I like even like their scene on the way before they went down mm. to the planet where they had a little talk about, um, <clears throat> like... Uh, Adira seemed a little like she didn't really trust Michael a little yeah. bit. Yeah. And, um, but it was really nice. And then she told Michael that she didn't want to let anyone down. And Michael could right. kind of see, like, oh, this is a good kid who, you know, just wants to help us. And so it was a, that was a nice moment.
0: Yeah. And I
1: liked, um, I liked that part. I do not think she should have been in the
0: brains. I mean, with her. I like the moment sort of prior to that when Culver was the one. Trying to convince Michael that no, you're the one who needs to bring her down because if anybody knows about loss, it's you. And then she's like, Well, yeah, but you've all lost somebody. And then it it sort of brought it back to the whole, Yeah, but you've been in this universe for a year now. And then she seemed to be, at least from what I was reading on her facial expression, she seemed a little like taken aback by that, which, which, um, I was, which brought me back to that thought that I had a while ago like, she's hiding something. I don't know what it is, but I just feel like she's concealing something. I'm just reading it from a facial expression that she had when Culber said something to her, but I just, I I don't know. So, yeah.
1: Yeah, I'm I'm tired of the what the hell's going on with Michael game. Like, if it's, if there's gonna be an issue, then just get into it. What are you waiting for? It's on a you know, why are you keeping it a secret?
0: Well, cause <laughs> Just th- tell us.
1: Yeah. I want to see the conflict play out. I don't want to have to read subtle glances and
0: things. Because what's what's in the back of my mind right now is that first episode was called That Hope Is You, Part 1. Mm-hmm. There's no Part 2 yet. And, and the hope certainly ain't her right now. And they jumped ahead a year in the next episode, so... Something, there's something in the middle there someplace that has yet to be told that I just feel like needs to be addressed and like I'm in this weird sort of situation where I don't know if i i feel like i I just need to be suspect of michael I don't know if I I don't want to say don't fully trust her but i just i just something's being held back and I don't know what it is and I don't I don't I don't like it
1: I don't like it not because I don't trust her. I don't like it because if... I just want it to be something or nothing. Yeah. But don't put me in the position where I honestly am not sure if... It's supposed to be like that or if just... The character's weird. I just... I'm not clear, you know? And and I originally... Remember, I thought... Oh, well, maybe she'd done some dark stuff when she was with Book yes. for that whole year. Yes. Right? Now she's going to come out and she's going to be like more gruff. And then it seemed like that a little bit, but now she's kind of back to being regular. So just pick a lane. That's it what just, I
0: say to the writer. Pick it, a lane. It feels like right now there's an episode missing. Because, I mean, there is an episode missing, but it feels like there's an episode, but it also feels like that.
1: Yes. And I imagine we'll get an episode later maybe that will be like. At least partially. Here's Michael's lost
0: year. Yeah, that's. I, I need to know what that is. <laughs> yeah, but you gotta give me something clear. Like, if she has
1: changed, mm. don't make it just this wishy-washy. Like, I just don't know where I belong. Yeah. Like, I don't care. I don't right. give a. I don't give a crap if Michael feels like she belongs on Discovery. I don't care. Like, make something significant right.
0: happen, or. Make nothing happen, but don't well, do this, whatever it is you know if if even if we're you know if, if we're right, I also don't want it to be something that is was done from a writing perspective simply to shock the audience <sighs> like because there's nothing I hate more in writing than just shocking the audience because like what's yeah, right, so if it makes sense in the story. I just there's something there and I just obviously I don't know what it is and it's just yeah.
1: If it's significant enough that it would be shocking then I just whatever happened I want to
0: see the effects of it yeah clearly in the character. Yes, other than just a facial expression. Yes, or like
1: or like, or like, like I said that
0: general like
1: I don't know, I don't yeah. feel something feels off. Yeah. Um, yeah, because here's the thing, too, and I hate to say it, uh, if I cared about the character more, maybe that would matter to me, but yeah. I don't.
0: Yeah, like, I, the thing is, I didn't mind Michael being in those scenes with Adira, right? But in some way, now, I know that throughout the course of the season, I think Adira is supposed to kind of have a good relationship with Kalba and Stamets, And I almost wish that it was Culber who went down to the surface with her. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Because think of it like this. Adira is trying to come to terms with who she is. And I would actually argue Culber, who died and came back to life. And lived in the spore world for a while. And went through that sort of moment those moments of sort of adapting to everything again, like i I don't know, I kind of feel like he would the he would be the he would have been the better candidate, and plus he's the doctor, yeah,
1: but yeah, I mean, yeah. personally sorry, in my what? mind yeah. I heard a line that I don't think was there about like well, he has to stay here because he's the doctor blah blah blah,
0: yeah. But I don't think
1: anyone said that. I think I just
0: assumed it. The thing is, I almost feel like, and I hate to do this, but if this was something done on, like, say, Deep Space Nine or The Next Generation, the Michael character would have gone down with her, but the doctor would have accompanied her as well. And.
1: You don't think they would have just made Cisco do it because everybody loves Cisco?
0: Well, hold on a minute. What am I even talking about? That's exactly what... So, sorry. That's exactly what happened in the DS9 episode Equilibrium. It was Dax, Cisco, and Bashir. Okay. Right? So, you needed, like, a mini away team for this with the Doctor, you know, because you needed the Doctor there with the tricorder, like, you know...
1: That's a good point. Her vitals are, you know, yeah. Yeah, they just put all the trust in the Trill on that.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: And especially once they saw the hostility of the Trill. Yeah. That seemed like a... Well, I guess, so I guess, uh, yeah, I guess I time know. was of the essence, because that guy was sneaking them away. Yeah, that's one of those things where, in watching it, it didn't bother me,
0: so I won't let it bother me too much now. But yeah. you make a good point. I just think it maybe would have added another a nice another element to it. And, you know, it could have been Culver who said to, like, Michael, like, you know, you need to go in there after her, or something like that, instead of Michael just sort of taking the initiative and doing it herself. Like... Well, that is very Michael. It it is, but weren't you saying a little while ago that you weren't a fan of Michael even being there in the first place, in terms of like actually being in the yeah,
1: yeah. Yeah. Well, so they yeah, she was there because she didn't want to face the past because it was too sad and traumatic, and Michael was like, no, but you should,
0: and then she did, right. So that was you know not that exciting. Well, my my worry was, so one of the first things I thought of is that when they got down there and then they're walking, they're being escorted back to the shuttle and the troll approached them and want to sort of forcibly take out the symbiont and Michael, of course, shoots them. Of course. Didn't disintegrate them, though. That was the you were the first person I thought of. I'm like, he's going to, this is what he's going to, he's going to be like, see, (laughs) she's just happy to whip out a phaser and start shooting
1: at people. No, but here's the thing. Now, I would have preferred that. Yeah. Because at least then it would have been consistent. Now I'm left thinking, well, she was just disintegrating people. Now she's not disintegrating people. Like, what what am I
0: supposed to read into this? So in that moment, though, I will say what I would, because my note says, what I would have preferred uh-huh. is I would have preferred that, Guardi- like, before Michael began shooting them, Guardi- that's when the older, um, that's where Guardian Z would have stepped in and said, stop. Like, don't do this. Like, he would have put, he just, it would have, the guy who met them in the caves later on. Yeah. If he had, a, if he had come in earlier and said, and like stopped that before it escalated and said, stop. Right. Don't do that. You know, so.
1: Yeah. Well, she only stunned them. So it's like, doesn't matter. Right. right. Um, Why didn't she stun them last time? I don't
0: know. Yeah. So
1: yeah. And, um, so that was, yeah. And the other thing that was kind of cool was that Adira had a reaction to that. Yeah. Because she thought she just murdered two people in front of her or three people. So she was, like, kind of traumatized by it. Because, you know, normal people would be traumatized by seeing three murders in front of them. So that was nice. I I can't stand it when shows fall into this thing where violence and killing is just so much part of the almost background that no one even Mm -hmm. reacts anymore.
0: Now, so as we get in there and we get to see the flashback with her and Grey, again so well done so so beautifully done so well written so well performed
1: yes and even I, before that though i think just the, the idea yeah that it was because she didn't want, want to face the sadness of it yeah that she w- couldn't connect with the 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 thrill inside yeah. of her it's great that was
0: fantastic and so and and something else occurred to me too now Remember when I said last week how it seems like like remember how I, I sort of addressed this last week in that given that discovery is nine hundred and thirty years into the future, it seems like there seem to be kind of elephants in the room to deal with, and that is how do you deal with a ship that's nine hundred and thirty years out of date in the future? Right? Well No the spore drive. It's got the spore drive, and there's also something else on that that I'm gonna mention in a few in a few minutes when we get to it in the episode. But then also Oh, And the other thing is no one has any they're the only ones with dilithium. Right. In, in large supply. Right. Um, but then also... So they're also now investigating an event that happened hundreds of years ago. Right? So, or so we think. And there's no time travel. And I thought to myself... Using the Trill is such a brilliant idea. Because that transcends multiple lifetimes. So they can... So like Adira is sort of like their key... To, to, I mean, to time, essentially. I mean, I'm not saying this – I don't like the way I'm really putting this. But, like, Adir mm-hmm. is the one that holds all of this inside. Yeah. It has the they, memories of people who lived across, you know – They can fill in the blanks. Exactly. Exactly. And so, like, that's why I think using the Trill is such a great idea because mm-hmm. that helps you get around that sort of, you know, potential issue. Right.
1: Yes. And another thing I like about it is you've got this character Adira, who's so much more interesting than if they had just found some old Starfleet Admiral and brought him right. on
0: board. That right. would have
1: been pretty lame.
0: Now, I will say though, I was it was it was it was so
1: it,
0: it was too much to ask. I wasn't expecting it to happen, but a little piece of me hoped it did. Oh. I think you know where I'm going with this. So when they were asking Adira who are you? Like, what are your names? And she wasn't able to name them off when she finally began to come confront her past hosts. I thought this would be great if she reveals herself to be a Dax. Yeah. Again, a long shot, but even though it would have been some nice fan service, I don't think that it would have hurt. I don't think it would have hurt anything to that. Like I thought to myself, how great would it have been to see Jed Zia and Ezri walk out? That would have been, I don't know. Yeah, no, that would have been cool. Yeah, because that would have been a really great use of a legacy character. Yeah, that would have been a fantastic use of a legacy character.
1: Yeah, and as long as they didn't do the wink and the nod, it wouldn't have not would have been. Um, it would have been.
0: Yeah. Uh, tasteful. but but at the same time, like you know, your discovery, you want to try to, you know, forge your own path. So I get it. But at the same time, if you're dealing with a Dax, you're just dealing with the Dax symbiont. The person playing them is it's a different character each time. So. So, like, in a way, Adira could be sort of our link to canon. And she still kind of is, actually, in some ways, right? Because that specific Starfleet Admiral, actually, who came out, Admiral Tal, who gives the the coordinates, he's wearing a Starfleet uniform, the same kind that we see in Picard. Right. So, yeah, that'll place him, time-wise, somewhat. Yeah. So... Yeah, I loved that moment. I loved watching the scenes with her and Grey, and it seems like even though Grey has died, he's still going to be or they are going to be making um some frequent appearances throughout the season. So,
1: yes, I guess now would be the appropriate time to switch to the pronoun they only because of the um right. the trill aspect of it. Because right. the actor is non-binary, non-binary gender. Non-binary, yeah. but the character is not right. Okay. Yeah. So, um, yeah. Yeah. One one other note, that was a very, um, I thought it was a a nice, very Star Trek concept. The idea that with the trill, the people you had the extremist conservative that wants to keep everything the way it's always been, even though it's going to be, it's going to actually harm their people. And then someone being like a little more rebellious and forward-thinking. That's like, no, we need to change with the times. It seems I feel I can't think of any specific episodes, but I feel like that's an idea that's come up
0: in classic Trek. Yeah, I um, can't think of any of it, but I I don't doubt that you are correct.
1: Yeah, so I really like that yeah. dynamic. That was nice. It was a small part of the story, but it was um it was a nice one. And then you know they do the thing that is the more radical thing according to the people on the planet. And then they come around and realize, yeah. oh look, you actually this is actually we do need to change to adapt to the times. Right. So um, that, that was well done. And Guardian Z is a really cool name. It sounds yeah. like a,
0: I don't know, heavy metal band or something. Oh, it totally does. Um, so yeah, that was, again, I, I think that's going to be an episode. I th- I think, I feel like we've hit potentially this is discoveries version of the inner light or the visitor. I just think that this is going to be one of those episodes that, uh, is going to be kind of talked about in the same breath. So,
1: yeah. Um, yeah.
0: But so the other plot of the episode is Saru. Wa- sensing how downtrodden the crew is, and wanting to try to do something to sort of bring them all together and boost their morale. And it leads to this dinner party. He suggests, you know, he has a, he holds a dinner party for the crew and gives the rest of the crew the day off. And, you know, obviously the crew is very emotionally charged. They're very on edge. You know, Tilly and Stamets are not getting along. And, you know, something's up with Detmer still, which we still don't really know about. Um... Culper's actually offering to sort of counsel her as well. So I still think there's the counselor aspect to it. But that mm-hmm. dinner scene was so like like it, it was a little it was kind of savage that dinner that that moment where they were just that's something you don't see in Trek very often. You don't see char- the characters behave behave that way.
1: Right. And I like that.
0: Yeah. Because it
1: was um it was well done, and Stamets is an asshole. He's been an asshole from the beginning. Yeah. We haven't seen him in a while. They've softened him up, and I prefer right. him being
0: an asshole, actually. Um, oh, and I thought Jet Reno should have been in that scene, but, you know. Seen, yeah, she must be just busy. Yeah.
1: <laughs> not, yeah. not Jet Reno, actually, but... Oh, the, yeah, Tignatara, yeah. 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 Um, but, I mean, um, yeah. yeah, like I really like the way they were snapping at each other, and it's true, you don't see that in Star Trek. Right. It, other than maybe, um, like...
0: You see it like maybe when a an in alien... In Space Nine, you saw a little bit of it. You see it like when a non corporeal alien like, inhabits them, and they're causing them to, to behave yeah. in such a way that, yeah.
1: Well, or when um, McCoy gets uh, interrupted, and somebody wants him to come to his job.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Why is it? Right. Why are you want? Yeah, but it was... Yeah, it was a very... It was an awkward scene. And made awkward even more by because they're going around the table saying all these haikus and then Detmer says this like, you know, pretty twisted haiku about Stamets and his blood. And so they seem to move this needle with Detmer further a little bit, but still not enough. Like they, they I'm still like, what the hell's up with her? Like what's going on here?
1: I think, yeah, I think she's having some PTSD from yeah. dealing with,
0: the, um, yeah, damn, it's almost dying and all well, the blood. She, she smacked her head on the floor when the when they landed. Yeah, and, and then
1: she, they told her right away, like, oh, yeah, you're fine.
0: But it was clear, <laughs> she's fine, but, like, you could tell, like, there was something with her that wasn't fine. It seemed like, it just seemed like the impact of that did something. And I was thinking to myself, like, is this, like, a Saru situation where, like, he doesn't have his threat ganglia, and so he's changing, like, did it, did it? You know, did it knock something loose in one of our implants? Like, what is, you know, what's going on?
1: Yeah, yeah. yeah. But, yeah, so I just took it totally as PTSD. Yeah. And I liked it. And I really liked that conflict. And I wish they'd done a little bit more, but it kind of did get there. But Stamets feeling like, because he was the one who almost died, he's the only one that gets to have any feelings about it.
0: Yeah, like because
1: that's a, such a classic
0: dick move. Oh yeah, completely. I'm the one
1: who almost died. What do you? What
0: do you? You know? What are you upset about? Right. But it was yeah, it was an extremely awkward scene. But here's what I think worked about it. They so this happens like this is happening in parallel with the Adira story down on the planet surface. So you got these two stories going. They're cutting back and forth between them. But what I liked about it was. The show seems to be, again, despite telling a, a, a nice, a light story arc, they do seem to be doing these standalone stories where you set something up and you resolve it. And I like, I feel like in the old world of Discovery, they would not have sort of revisited that after everybody stormed out, right? I could be wrong. Mm-hmm. I appreciated the fact that they all came back to sort of wrap that up and just sort of apologize and say, I'm so sorry for what I said. I like that they sort of wrapped up that aspect of the story. And it just, it's so weird to me to say, like, I love the discoveries, like following like basic storytelling principles now, but yeah. yeah, right.
1: I could see it in another season. I mean, even earth, right. It could have been like taking them three episodes to get to earth or something. Yeah. Or yeah, 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 strung out, have the, the, Blow up at the dinner party, and then yeah. it, the next episode, three episodes of that whole conflict plays out. So the last episode, they finally yeah talk about it. Yeah,
0: yeah. Like this, I mean, this was an episode that was strictly, as I said in the beginning, it was it was it was strictly a character-driven episode. It was just about characters and their emotions, how they're feeling. It wasn't anything. It wasn't some big sweeping science fiction epic. It was just a basic story about emotions and those emotions Mm -hmm. were allowed to be the star of the episode and like, hugely beneficial. And this was like the storytelling on discovery that I was just so that I've just been so hungry for, like Mm -hmm. I need now again, this doesn't have to be every week, but it has to be more than once, once per season or twice per season.
1: Yeah. So yeah, at least you have to have elements of it. Exactly. Like, I'm afraid next week is gonna be a all out forty-eight minute space battle now.
0: <laughs> because yeah, I don't know. of this, but I don't I don't know. It, it that's more yeah. of a joke really. But I will say this too. I don't know this is where we're getting into like, you know, this is where I'm getting into um track connections. So I don't know if you noticed this. Earlier in the episode when Saru was talking to the computer and trying to get some ideas over what he can do and the computer's to help the crew out and boost morale and the crew's offering him suggestions. So this is after Discovery turned into a sexy British lady. Right. <laughs> this is the, the, the computer voice seemed to for a moment turn into the artificial intelligence that we saw in Calypso, Zora. Mm-hmm. What did I call her? Sexy British lady. Because right. it was very odd how the very like. So oh, yeah, wow well. And then at the end of the episode, so the episode ends with the crew watching a movie in the shuttle bay, Buster. which reminded me, which reminded me of movie night on Enterprise, um, Buster Keaton film. And Saru has a is having a conversation with Culber, and he mentions that it seems like the Sphere data which they're bringing up again seems to be protecting discovery and so there were theories going on about how you know how Calypso fits in before the season began and they were wondering like is it is that the, is it an evolution of the sphere data? Did the sphere Data somehow merge with discovery and form a you know and form sentience? Um, and I, and I realized something and this is the point I wanted to revisit so I think this is another point as to how discovery sort of safely navigates the century they're in because if you recall in the finale last season they made an attempt to destroy discovery and they couldn't because the sphere data was protecting the ship oh uh, yes and i'm wondering is this going to happen now is this sort of how discovery manages to survive this season Mm. In the century, like the sphere data has somehow managed, to, the sphere data is going to end up protecting the ship. And then, if you think about it, when they're in this century, they've got a spore drive; they can hop from galaxy to galaxy at, you know, at whim. Um, and they've got this spore drive. Who, or they've got this, and Discovery itself is an artificial, isn't, is an artificial intelligence with, you know, knowledge of like. You know, millennia with like a millennia of knowledge, right? So, I, I mean, if if that's the case, then you know, as much as the sphere data annoyed me last season, it seems like it's getting good put to good use this season, at least. Things seem to make more sense this season. I'm not like, oh, I don't know, that's kind of lame. Like,
1: yeah, I like the idea of giving the ship a personality, yeah,
0: and the ship's always a character on the show, don't forget.
1: Right. So make it an actual character. It reminds me of Doctor Who. So Doctor Who's ship, the TARDIS, sort of has more of a personality and uh, the Doctor talks to it and whatnot. So I think it's um, it's a fine development. And I like now that it it, because before the ship talked, but it was just a computer, you know. Right. But now, like you said, it's he he said, said, uh, I believe you're going beyond the algorithm that I that you should be using. So yeah. yeah, it's gonna have a
0: little attitude. It's gonna go outside the box, and um, so I think that's good. Still not clear where where um, Calypso fits in just yet, but I think this was a I think this was a nice clue to it. Yeah, this was a I think this was a minor connection to it. So I I predict that they will go that the crew will go back, but the ship will stay. Yeah, quite possibly. Um. Or some of the crew will go back. Because I think we initially thought, we initially thought, the way season two was going to end was that they were going to fling Discovery itself into the future, and that's that would be why uh, they found it in Calypso. But Mm -hmm. so yeah, Um, but Calypso establishes that Discovery has been abandoned, and it was told to. Stand by, and it's been abandoned for almost a 1,000 years. So it seems like that show, that episode, takes place sort of, I think, in like the 42nd century. Right, so, and there weren't dead bodies all over the place or skeletons. Right, right. It was just dust, which I don't know how you get dust in space, but whatever. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so I think, you know, again, despite my sort of misgivings on – some of the stuff introduced in season two, I think it's being used well in this season. It's making sense in this season. Yes. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Um, Cause I thought they were just going to, honestly, I actually thought they were going to kind of abandon the sphere data thing altogether in this season that it was never going to come up again. Right. Yeah.
1: Yeah. But now yeah, I think they're using it, it definitely well.
0: Yeah. And I
1: like the idea that now the ship will have, a say in what they're doing, you know. Maybe the maybe they'll try to do something, and the ship will be like, "It's mm, not the best idea. I don't think we're going to do that." Could have a howl, a howl nine thousand situation. Yeah, I can't do that, Saru. I'm sorry, I can't open the pod bay doors, Saru.
0: But it seems like next season, next episode, they're going to, you know, finally make their way to Starfleet, which is what we've, you know, kind of been waiting for. And, you know, I got to give them more credit in that. That's something that we've wanted to see. And I like that they, you know, they're not, they haven't, they hadn't been dangling that in front of us for too long. Because that would have been something they could have waited until the end of the season to reveal. But I like that they're actually, you know, they're moving the story along, I think, pretty nicely. And I, nothing. Right now is of concern to me, like the way things began to become last season. So I agree. And I'm, even will yeah. see
1: next week; they're going to make the Starfleet or Federation headquarters. Actually. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, they're not teasing that till right. the end. I like really like it. It's like you set it, set them up, and knock them down. Exactly. Don't so. Don't and, drag them out and make them more complex along the way. And again, previous um, method.
0: And again, to sort of you know wrap it up. I I, I just think that they're doing they're doing the model of yeah let's just tell a light story arc in the you know through the season, but light enough to where we can actually some weeks make it a put it on the you know put it on the back burner and and bring other things forward so they're managing to have a sort of alien of the week situation of the week, a blank of the week structure, but also move this plot forward so I think they've sort of struck a happy medium so far and so yeah so you know my final thoughts on this episode is that um yeah it's it's again a strictly an episode about emotions and its characters it's trek absolutely at its most emotional and um everybody seemed to have something to do in this episode I, i i walked out of this episode feeling very satisfied with everything
1: me too, and I, I like the fact, that we didn't touch on it yet, but the fact that um, Adira has her partner yeah. um, now as a sort of a character that only she can see. Right. Because I just think that the scenes with the two of them together were so good that I think mm-hmm. it's a fine
0: addition. Absolutely. And uh, the last thing I'll mention, so starting last week, I or the week before last, I can't remember um, I did a short segment on what have we learned about the burn. I should call it what have we burned. I don't know. And uh, so we got some more details on the burn this week, and we just learned that the burn decimated the troll population, resulting in there not being any viable symbiont hosts. So, oh, yes. Yeah, I mean, that's the planet seemed Okay. But there must have been a lot of them in Starfleet, I guess, or so, or just out in space at oh, the time. Oh yeah, in ships. So, so that's interesting. So we learned that it had quite so. And us wanting to know how did this affect people beyond worlds beyond Starfleet? Um, yeah, we learned that the yeah the Trill population has been fairly decimated.
1: Yeah. So you know, could, do you think it's safe to assume that every warp capable,
0: um, peoples have been damaged significantly? That's that's what I'm thinking. I just I don't I don't remember if they all sort of use dilithium. So yeah, I don't I don't know. I, I I would like to say yes. That would be kind of cool because Yeah.
1: I don't think that this will happen, but imagine if there was some play on that because, you know, they don't make contact until they're warp capable. But now only the non warp capable planets are okay, but all the rest of them have been decimated, so I wonder wonder if that could play in somehow.
0: It would have been interesting, I thought, also, like, you know, say the Romulans, I can't remember, but I'm just going to make something up. (laughs) Say the Romulans don't even use dilithium, and because the Federation doesn't have a supply of dilithium anymore, it now allowed like another species to sort of become the dominant power in the galaxy. Like the Romulans were now able to sort of, you know, be the new kids on the block as it was and sort of, you know, yeah. They will we, we, we'll have had to have rebuilt their, you know, well, whatever since yeah. the, they seem fine in Picard. So yeah, maybe um, that was all, maybe that was all of them. You have to assume that almost, a, almost a millennia later, they're probably okay. But assuming they were not affected by the burn, but yeah. I like I like that idea that you suggest.
1: Yeah, it's almost like, well now we have to make contact with them because they're the only ones that have
0: whatever. Yeah. It it makes me wonder why the where are the Borg in all of this?
1: Oh yeah, do they use dilithium? I don't think so. No. They probably just yeah. Use their own farts.
0: What <laughs> Um, the people can't see my face right now. Um, <laughs> yeah, like, you know, why haven't the Borg made any attempts, or have they? I mean, it just hasn't been said yet. Why haven't they made any attempts to... Now it's like, e- now it would be easy for them to assimilate the planet, to assimilate.
1: Yeah, the maybe they don't care now that after that happened, or they thought, oh, these people.
0: Well, lose and also... Themselves up. We don't want them. And also, I mean, granted, you're nearly a millennia later, so anything could have happened to them in that time. They could have... That's true. Been they could have moved on. They could have assembled They could have
1: gotten any money
0: they wanted and just kept going. Right. Right. So, yeah. So any yeah. any any final thoughts from you?
1: No, just um, it was a good episode, and I hope to uh, continue this trend because I'm liking each episode more than the one prior. Yeah. I would like to say about next week though. Do you think we're going to be dealing with an evil admiral?
0: Oh god, I hope not.
1: Yeah, I don't know. I got that vibe from the short clip.
0: <laughs> I, I hope not. Um I think what's gonna happen next week. So the name of next week's episode is called Die Trying. Interesting. Now and I see I see that um I see that book is listed in the cast. What? So we may. So it's back to the Michael Show credited, maybe. Um, but I think what's going to happen, you know, the scene I'm interested, the scene I'm most interested in, which I think a lot of fans probably are, is like, is seeing that moment of them reconnecting with Starfleet and saying, and having that conversation, like, we time traveled. We're from nine hundred and thirty years in the past, right? So, I something to that effect. I think what's going to happen is... Because in the trailers, we see them wearing the new badges, right? So I think that in a time where there's probably not... Starfleet doesn't really have a lot of influence. They need to use all the ships they can. And even though Discovery is nearly a millennia out of date, they're going to consider it to be an active starship, right? And maybe this kind of plays into what I said. Maybe they'll try to... Jury-rig it. Commandeer it. Well, maybe they'll try to jury-rig it with some you know new technology of the time just to make it easier. But, yeah, oh, okay. like I, I want to see like that moment. Here's
1: where, what I would like to see, right? Yeah. They come and they say, Oh, good. You have all been reassigned. You're off this ship. This is now the command ship. I'm in charge of it. Well, or,
0: or, are they going to address that other elephant in the room? When Discovery was... It was you know, erased from their records.
1: Oh the yeah, left,
0: right. Oh, all right. I got, I got Who it. Who are you? Who are you?
1: Yeah. I, so they show they up. Right? a race, but yeah. They show up and they say, "Who are you?" We're like, "Oh, we came here in the ship Discovery," and they say, "You're under arrest for violating the law that says you can't talk about Discovery."
0: Put them in the brig. They're still upholding that nine hundred thirty yeah. years later. Yeah. yeah.
1: Um, but it's interesting because the, the Admiral says. You, you discovery are a risk that we cannot take on right now. Yeah, I don't I don't know what, what why that would be the case, but well, you know, next generation
0: is- has done this kind of where like you know there's that episode cause and effect when the enterprise is in a t- repeating time loop, and they discover there's another federation starship in there with them, commanded by Kelsey, Captain Kelsey Grammer, by the way. Um, but they've been in there a lot longer than they have, and when they finally break free of it. The ship is now like, you know, 80 years out of date. And then I thought to myself, and, the episode, and then the episode ends. And I thought to myself, okay, but now what? You've got these people who are now 80 years out of date. What do you do with them? And they mm. never revisit that thread. Yeah. And so I want to see how they deal with that on Discovery. Like, how do you, how do you address this? What do you, you know... It sounds absurd, but like, you know, what if somehow John Quincy Adams traveled to this point in time? What the hell do you do with him? Give him a book, know. You know? Yeah. And yeah, like, and there's a first season episode of Next Gen where they encounter some humans from the 20th century. And then, you know, they said, and they even deal with this on Enterprise as well. They're like, you know, well, what do we do? We take them home and we re-educate them to, you know, to eat our food and to behave our way and... You know, Captain Captain Archer's like, yeah, you're damn right, because they're humans. And they said, well, no, right, but this is their home. Yeah. Right? Like, yeah. So I want to I
1: I think it's very interesting, and it could bring up a lot. And there's a lot of things that I hadn't really considered before. I mean, when I first said it, like, almost half-joking, but they could say, like... But they could say, okay, this ship is ours now. Right. Right. Or at least they could say that Dilithium is a property of Starfleet, and we're taking it for our other ships. Exactly. Like there's yeah. all kinds of things that they could do that are not actually what Discovery's looking for.
0: Right. Like you, you almost want them. I mean, I, I, I want them to, but I don't want them to because I already went to Earth, and they were sad about that. I hmm. want them to at least have. I want to give them a break. I want them to have at least like some kind of nice moment, right?
1: Didn't seem like they were gonna get a break. They got a break under the tree. That's
0: yeah. it. <laughs> <laughs> it's like when I watched, when I binge watched like all these seasons of like The Walking Dead, and every season practically they move to a new location. And I'm just like, I'm like oh
1: yeah, oh. and they were like, under siege, yeah, right, and
0: then they I'm under big. siege and have to leave. I'm just like, my God, just give them a break, let them stay put, please. Like yeah. enough of this. So, I, I'm, I'm anxious for Discovery to have sort of like a. A nice welcome to the to the Federation. That's what I'm hoping for. I, I'm but I'm not gonna put it past them where they won't do that.
1: They need to see
0: uh, how Rice is doing after all this time. Dude, I wanna know if where's Bajor? Is Deep Space Nine still there? What's going on?
1: Yeah. There's right. all kinds of places they could go.
0: Wouldn't that be cool though? Like, oh we're that we found the remains of a Cardassian space station in the Bajor in the Bajoran sector. What? <laughs> Yeah,
1: it's evidence of Starfleet uh, involvement.
0: I mean, really, stop and think about it. Like, at least, let's, you know, I'd be so giddy if they like ended up like near the Bajoran wormhole or something. Yeah, yeah. Because, Book, I think, essentially references it in the first episode. So, all right, <laughs> he mentions that there's a stable wormhole nearby, and I'm thinking it's got to be the. Obviously, he's referencing the Bajoran wormhole. So. Um. Yeah. So. Uh, but yeah, yeah, very good show. I'm very satisfied and looking forward to next week, or this week, I should say. But next Me week. Too. No Me too.
1: Me too. So, yeah. Yeah. I'm. I'm so, uh, happy to be excited for um discovery again. Unlike. Discovery after the first episode.
0: Oh, not that other show. Not oh before. no, that's
1: a separate topic.
0: <laughs> I am of course referring to our other podcast which we have yet to launch, Voices in the Armor," Voices from the Armory, a Mandalorian podcast.
1: Yeah, there's a little crisis of confidence going. on. <laughs>
0: I'll give you the. I'll give you at you least guys. give a little bit of a. Yeah. I'll give you guys some Because we time, have promoted okay. the show a few times already, so I think the all right. audience. I love Star good.
1: Wars. I I really love Star Wars. Yeah. And as you probably heard, Kevin and I talk, we don't like haters, or fans that are right. hated, right? Right. So I really like last season of Mandalorian. Kevin did too, so we were very excited to do this because all right, the show's cool. We like it. I love Star Wars, right? But I have not liked it, so now. I don't <laughs> want to just add negativity to a fan bay, a fan world of something that I love, generally.
0: I just love that every so, other statement is, I love Star Wars.
1: <laughs> yeah, so I don't want to I don't want to, you know, in other words, I don't want to make a podcast about right. Star Wars where I talk about how bad it is. That just doesn't appeal to me in any way.
0: But, but, in all fairness, yeah, you know, As you said, we don't like haters, and yes, we don't. Now, everybody obviously has their own definition of what a hater is. When we criticize something, now I know, obviously, we've spent more than enough time, more time than any human should, criticizing season two of Discovery. Yes. Especially the finale. But, and the reason I use that as an example is, like, we're not hating on it, we're not even hating on it. But people hate on things just simply to hate on things because it's it's cool. We're like being – we're giving like – we were saying like, well, this doesn't make sense. This doesn't line up with this and this – you're right. Like those are people who hate watch things, which was just a phenomenon I found out about a couple years ago, which doesn't make any sense to me at all. They go into this something – they go into something ready to hate it and then just watch it to legitimately complain about it. Yes,
1: but consider this. Imagine if our first episode – was like our season two finale episode of the right. Discovery Pocket. Maybe we would not have stuck with it because we would have just, yeah. you know. But we had a whole season built up of, you know, talking about the things we liked, which was most of it, and talking about things we didn't like Yeah. before. So let's say we had started the Mandalorian podcast last season. We had a whole season of talking about how great the show was, and then it took a dive. Yep. Then I would be okay with talking about why I think it didn't. But to come right out of the gate?
0: Yeah. It doesn't feel right to me, and this was problematic for me when we did the when we attempted the Twilight Zone podcast because, you know, I could I could take the exact same thing that you said and just replace Star Wars with Twilight Zone, <laughs> and we tried that podcast twice.
1: Yeah, twice. and I liked the show, and you didn't really get that into it.
0: I just didn't get into it. I just, and I remember saying to you initially, and I feel like I set myself up. Set myself up, but I don't think I did. In, in the end, at the end of the day, I said because we were announcing this before we even recorded something, and I thought to myself, what if I hate it? Yeah. Am, I, am I now stuck having to do this? And I hung on for a while, and then I just was like, this is not this is. And then so the season came back for the second season, and I thought, okay, let's try it again. And then they all dropped them all at once. And then, which was another problem, right? Um, yeah so so in all fairness like I I can't really say I feel the same way about the Twilight Zone this season I just I haven't had the time to commit to actually watching it all so
1: and if you feel like you're not contributing much to the you know it's a lot of work to make a podcast it is
0: and I think if any of them get it
1: out so then if you feel like what you're doing is not bad. positive or benefiting anything yeah then it's hard to get the
0: motivation to do it and any other podcaster listening to this may agree with me in that may agree with us in saying that when you release a new season of a show all at once there's kind of this rush to want to review it all so you're not behind everybody yeah, else. you want to be yeah, you want to be one of the first ones to get it right up. and and that's good i think from a from a just from time management right because you know don't forget when Twilight Zone came out, we were also doing Lower Decks, and then we knew this show was coming. Um, but I'm also old school. I like getting excited for each week. I like when they come out weekly. I like the anticipation of each oh. week. You know, I'm just I'm old school that way. I'm not a I'm not a binge watcher. I don't enjoy binging. I mean, I know I said I binged the Walking Dead a few, but that was the last show I binge watched, and I I you know I I'm not a I'm not a binge watcher. I don't like it so interesting I, I sometimes am yeah but so. i i
1: do like the weekly nature of star trek so i i sort of wish the mandalorian honestly i i, I wish the mandalorian had been released all at once so it'd be one more reason not so to do it. How did and just mean? okay so i'll say a little bit <laughs> so just because it contrasts so i'm well
0: sorry i this. backed you into this corner i didn't
1: it's okay you. i'll be quick so, just to contrast so well with this week's episode of Discovery, because we were talking about how they have the sort of the main storyline that continues in the background, and then there's the weekly story. And Mandalorian, the first episode anyway, we were, we were feeling well, it was kind of, well, okay, uh, the main storyline didn't progress that much, but you know, it did with a big reveal of a character, so that's great, that's cool. And then the second episode didn't move that plot an inch mm-hmm. and spent a long episode essentially giving us a very similar story to the week before. Right. And, um, and that was it. I haven't seen, it, that have was it, seen
0: it yet, and that's what you told no. me. That
1: really, was it for me because yeah. it's you have you only have eight episodes. You're allegedly bringing in all these characters that we've known for a long time. I think there are four right. different ones, and we have seen none of them yet, and he's gotten no closer to his you know, moving
0: the plot forward. Right, right. Because so, uh, and, and so the listeners know, you know, before we record these episodes, we generally will have a conversation on the phone to sort of, you know, take each other's temperature in terms of like, how are you feeling about the episode so we can sort of like mentally prepare ourselves to what we can expect when recording it. So like, you know, I know how to, you know, I know how to approach you. You know how to approach me. If you don't like mm-hmm. something, and I like it. You're like, OK, well, that's going to be that's going to be a challenge this week. How are we going to handle this? And I hadn't seen the Mandalorian yet. And you had texted ruined you. Huh. Sorry. Well, no, no, no. I but I, you had said to me you were not happy with it. I'm like, well, what do you mean? And so I, you know, I'm like, well, tell me. I said, don't spoil it, but just, just, you know, just, just, what do you mean? Tell me. And so you told me, and I was like, oh. So, but,
1: but the thing I told him was he spent yeah. another
0: episode fighting a giant creature.
1: Yeah, I mean, he was essentially the week before we well, that was very
0: much your your take too. It was like, I don't know, I just wasn't feeling him battling this great well, dragon. I mean. What I said on our episode when we recorded, I'm like, I'm like, it's fine. You it just it, it went on for too long. Like I get it. Yeah, <laughs> I understand.
1: Yeah, and then a very similar situation. Like how could it be again? How can you do a show two weeks in a row? They fight a giant creature. not it unless it's the giant creature fighting show. <laughs> and not, not to be the way it goes. <laughs> yeah, it would be as if I don't know. Discovery went to like another place and there was another guy. Right, that was trying to like, um, you know, attack a planet. They made peace between them again. It's just a different people.
0: Well, yeah, and so because I had asked you, I said the way we got us what got us on this, I said because you know he's responsible for editing the other show, right? He owns the Mandalorian podcast, which, <laughs> judging by this conversation, I don't know how long it's going to continue. But I had said to you, so how's the I didn't go, and you were like, ah, that's the whole situation. I'm like, well, I'm like well, what do you mean? And so he's like, I just don't like the episode this week.
1: Yeah, so then so then <laughs> retroactively, like, oh, God. Yeah. when I sit down to do some edit last week, it's like, yeah, what am I doing here? <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, uh, I, I, yeah, I don't want to add negativity to the world or to um, – Hey, look. Look. Especially Star
0: Wars. The episode that they release this Friday could—it comes out on Friday, right? The episode they release this Friday could be fantastic. You don't know, but if they fight another creature, I'm not going to be happy. Yeah, yeah. If if that happens, I'm another going to—I'm going to laugh so hard, and I will record myself laughing to play on <laughs> this podcast because yeah,
1: yeah. And then after they just whatever, you can cut this part or don't or don't listen, but it's yeah. sort of a spoiler, but. Um, then I'm listening to something about the show and I'm saying, oh, this is so great because this creature was originally designed by Ralph McQuarrie for Empire Strikes Back or something and uh, but it never made it into the film and I'm just like, who gives it? He's fighting another creature. I don't care if um, you know. this doesn't add
0: legitimacy it, to it.
1: If, yeah, if Geiger made it uh, it's, you know, <laughs> doesn't matter. It's just... He fought a stupid creature. <laughs> at least the crate dragon I cared about a little bit because you know I grew up looking at the skeleton of it on you know,
0: a New Hope and is it I knew at least, about crate dragon. Is it at least a more compelling creature than last week? No, it's way less compelling. Oh boy, I think. Oh, I can't. But, but that's, just I, that's just me. That's just me. As I said to you, I'm not. I'm gonna go in open minded. I'm not gonna go in saying like ready to hate. I'm not gonna yeah, go, go in you like get a, a hater. An X wing. You got to see an X wing. So there's that. Oh, that's that's fine. I mean, I saw, him, I saw him last season too, so it's not like it's a big surprise.
1: Yeah, that's true. And Baby Yoda's is cute and funny, so what's that.
0: Is it more than just reaction shots this week?
1: Yeah, actually, I mean, okay. he does something. Okay. It doesn't affect anything, but he does it, and it's funny. All right. Well, you all can look. Here's another thing. <laughs> oh, boy. Right when 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 we, we talked about an episode
0: bit, for that by the way so in the first
1: know. episode just the fact that you know Baby Yoda has already uh, revealed that he can pick up mudhorns that are gigantic right and he can heal people but since then he's done squat even right. in the middle yeah. of all these battles he just kind of was like you're saying
0: you're, saying you're saying basically he's it, there are times now this actually so. This it's, it's selective. Yeah, like, it's selective. He could get it's him like, out of so many sticky spots, and yet, somehow... He never does. He never does. And,
1: and I guess it's because he's a baby? But, you know, at least with the Enterprise, they can say, oh, there's um interference, so we can't use the... Well, balloon. no,
0: what I was going to say was, you know, Deanna Troy was a telepath, and there were many but other times... Alien
1: species, she couldn't do it,
0: right? There were many other times where... Well, they don't say that, but there were many times where her... You know, uh, abilities yeah. could have helped them, and yet, you know.
1: Yeah, Picard could have just leaned over, while he was on the view screen, and been like, Is "This dude lying or
0: what?" Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But in I, that case, you probably would
1: just say, "I'm sensing strong emotions." I,
0: I think, think it's because I think it's the same situation where, like, Deanna Troy and Baby Yoda are the are the characters. The that are Mary could, Sue's. Yeah, well, the ones that could basically invalidate the entire plot. If they can do such extraordinary things, yeah, yeah, yeah,
1: that's true. And he is a baby, and it did take a lot out of him. So you know, maybe it's like a baby. Babies don't always do what you want them to. Yeah, but he's got a like, do the cute thing. Do the cute thing that you do, and the
0: baby just you figure him he's has You figure he's got to recharge. His battery's got to be recharged by now. Yeah, but maybe he just doesn't realize. Do so you think he did it by accident? Did. Hmm. You think he did it by accident last time?
1: Yeah, or he just doesn't realize. Yeah. He's just a stupid
0: baby well 50 year old baby an adorable one albeit. but we're um, gonna record that episode at some point yeah um and you all can look forward to the release of the first one at yeah you know, maybe you can binge them at least all once you can binge them at some point um <laughs> do you have a a, a release date you want to give anybody or no
1: um uh...
0: or like a, a, a ballpark figure i mean
1: Oh, um,
0: stay tuned. Watch okay. this space. Watch this space. That's what I'll say. Good pun, actually. Not a bad pun. Watch this space.
1: Oh, uh, uh, I got it from. Uh, I didn't realize it was a pun. That's what Rachel Maddow says at the end of her show. She like mm. does a story that she's going to follow up on. She'll say, "Watch this space." So yeah. I think it used to be a newspaper thing.
0: Well, thank you all for listening. You can tweet us at. Star Trek We Trust, and you can email us at trust at gmail.com. And as always, as you always say, tell us what the hell you're doing when you listen to our show.
1: Yes. Yes. So we've heard from people know. in the past about what they do, and it's always been very interesting. I haven't checked our email.
0: I really should check the email.
1: Yeah, we keep telling people the email. They're probably getting yeah. angry.
0: Yeah, well, you can uh, yeah. email us, and we you know we do read everything. So, yeah. yeah, yeah. Give us some
1: advice. What should we do about this Mandalorian uh, situation we're in?
0: Oh, that they're not—they're only aware of the situation that you told them. They have—we haven't <laughs> released anything, so. Well, I know, but that's what I mean. Yeah. That's what I mean. Like,
1: are you clamoring for it, listeners? I think they are. Are you? Yeah. 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 But do you now that you hear that we don't, kind of don't like it? Or are you like, well, I don't want to hear you complain about the show, unless it's Discovery Season Two, <laughs>
0: which we've done more than our fair share. But yeah, um, yeah. All right. Get to work on Thanks. getting that episode out. All right. Later, skaters. Peace out, everybody.